Hey everybody, welcome to another awesome Different Church podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you're having an awesome day, and if you're not, I hope it gets better starting now. So here we are, what seems like 32 weeks into quarantine, and uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has kept up with what we're doing. Uh, this is really cool. One of the biggest prayers that we have is that... Um, before the coronavirus became a thing, we only had about three services of actual real church. And so now we've officially had more than that virtually, which is crazy to say. Uh, but one of the biggest prayers is that we wanted to have more people, uh, you know, interested in us and paying attention to what we were doing um, after the quarantine uh, than we had before. <clears throat> and I think that's actually already happened. Um, so thank you so much for anyone who's paying attention to what we're doing, who's listening to us, who's interacting with us on social. Um, it's just humbling and really cool that you would want to spend some time with us. What we're trying to do right now is have some sort of positive, tangible impact on others um, during this time. And if you've been following us for a while, you know that um, last month we gave away like $3,500. Uh, anytime someone donates to us, we immediately take 10% of it and set it aside so we can give it straight back to the community. And we'd been saving for quite some time <laughs> so that we could um, do a big gift at Easter. And it just made sense for us to do it a little bit earlier and to try and get the money to our community as soon as we could to help out. Well, uh, guess what? The community still needs help and we have a little bit more to give. So we're gonna be putting together another gift uh, sometime very soon, um, and we're really excited about that. Also, if you have any ideas on ways to just help people right now, we'd love to hear it. Um, we are really excited to be doing the church stuff on Sundays and inviting people to take part in you know, our, our sermons still, but we wanna really focus on also being the church right now not just like obsessed with getting people to watch us on Sundays but obsessed with getting our people to help their community so let us know if you have any cool like um, ideas on ways we can give back ways we can help I know it's kind of difficult to come up with stuff uh, whenever we're supposed to be socially distant but I believe that there are some creative listeners out there who have some really cool ideas on ways to give back um, so there's not really a whole lot going on right now. Uh, we're still doing our virtual services every Sunday. Um, we're still doing our Revelation podcast. We'll have one of those dropping in a couple days. Uh, we hope that you really like those. Those are super fun for us to uh, to record and produce. Um, also, we're doing like a game slash hangout night every week. It alternates between Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, this week, it's going to be Thursday night at 730. Um, just let us know if you want to be a part of it. It's uh, through Zoom. We've done bingo and trivia so far, and they've both been really cool. Shoot us an email at hello at diffchurch.com, and we will get you signed up for that. Okay, uh, that's all we've got going on right now. Um, let's jump into the uh, sermon from yesterday, which was Easter. Uh, Hannah delivered like maybe the strangest Easter message of all time. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Maybe the first one was probably the strange. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, a lot of churches right now are still trying really hard to um, lean into the like, yay, everything is shiny and happy and it's the best Easter ever. And 
uh, I don't know. We just thought maybe there was this kind of a different approach to it. So we hope you enjoy it. Check it out. It's uh, First Easter. Hi, friends. Welcome to another online edition of our Different Church Sunday services. My name is Hannah. I am the pastor of Different Church, and I'm really just happy that you all are here and have decided to come and join us for another service where we get to celebrate faith and have a little bit of togetherness, even though we are apart. Uh, it's Easter. At least that's what the calendar says. I don't know if it really feels like Easter. Easter is typically a day of celebration and excitement. It's definitely the day that like moms drag their entire families to church, like the one day of the year, especially the people who never go to church. They can usually be guilt tripped into going to church on Easter. Uh, there's all kinds of traditions that we have around Easter, like egg hunts and chocolate bunnies. And I did consider opening this video by eating the ears off of a chocolate bunny, but I thought, you know, you guys have had enough trauma. <laughs> also, I don't have a chocolate bunny. I need to get one in my weekly grocery run. So we just have a lot of things going on around Easter and like there's people dress up. I used to get an Easter dress every year as a kid, like a brand new one from my grandmother. There's plays that go on, like dramatic reenactments of the tomb being rolled away and Jesus, who obviously is like a teenager dressed in a sash, <laughs> coming out of the tomb. And churches all around the country are just going out of their way and above and beyond to be exciting and welcoming and have these celebratory experiences. Of course, everything looks a little bit different this year. We are all in our homes practicing social distancing and <laughs> one of the bonuses, perhaps consequences maybe, of being a pastor is that the interweb knows that I that faith is part of my life. And so I get advertisements for church constantly. Like if a church advertises on Facebook, I'm probably going to see it because the algorithm just knows that I need to see this, right? So churches like in St. Pete, churches in Tampa, churches in other parts of Florida, I've even had a few advertisements of churches out of state, which I'm like, what is the point of that? I'm never going to go to, I'm not going to like drive to Mississippi and go to a church there. Get out of here. So the theme that I am seeing in all of these advertisements that have been popping up over and over is that Easter is like, this year, it's going to be the best Easter ever. Don't worry, you can still make this a fantastic Easter. It is gonna be a mind-blowing Easter. That is how much fun you're gonna have at our online service of Easter, and you better like it. Like, okay, maybe that was a little dramatic. <laughs> but the theme is like, you can still have the best Easter ever. And it's totally possible, maybe you are having the best Easter ever. But also, maybe it doesn't feel like that to you, maybe the idea that this is the best Easter ever and that you should have that level of excitement feels a little bit strange. It feels a little bit odd or like offensive to you. And maybe this feels like a terrible Easter because we aren't able to be with our families. We aren't able to be and participate in all the traditions that we typically do. So this is what we're going to do for our Easter service. We're going to have a different kind of Easter. We're just going to have some real talk today. And that may feel strange to you, but stick with me because I know most Easter services don't begin like this. I was originally going to go a different way entirely, actually, but it didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel honest to me. And I know what I'm feeling in my heart and I know what a lot of you are feeling because I've heard from so many of you and what you're feeling is not shiny and gorgeous and exciting and celebratory. So we're just going to have real talk like regular humans and see if maybe that gives us some space for faith and gives us some space for healing. And we're going to think about 
how Easter can speak to a situation like the one we're in right now. And as an aside, <laughs> tangent, speaking of real talk, thank you so much to everyone who persevered through last Sunday's video um, that was flickering. We, <laughs> I'm so sorry if it gave you like an eye twitch, the blinking. Uh, as I said, we're just humans over here like everyone else. Like I'm just a person in my living room with an iPhone. So I, I'm so sorry if it gave you an eye twitch to watch that video, but thank you so much for giving us grace. I still had so many messages from people who participated in the service and um, were able to really get something meaningful out of it. And that just really means the world to me that you are that committed and that involved in the service that our technical difficulties didn't scare you away. So no, I apologize for them, but thank you for giving us such grace. Now, I know from speaking with quite a few of you that most of you grew up in some kind of Christian faith tradition, or you have some kind of reference point for that. So the story of Jesus being crucified and dying and being buried and then coming back to life on the third day, this is not like a foreign story to you. You, you have heard it before. <laughs> it's the sermon that's preached every single Easter, right? And typically the passage of scripture comes out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one of the four gospels in the New Testament. Um, if you've never heard of the story of Jesus dying and being buried and coming back to life, definitely shoot me a text, shoot me an email because I'd love to kind of introduce you to that story. But for most of us, I'm venturing to guess that we've heard this before. It's something that's kind of in our subconscious. So we're gonna do something different. <laughs> we're not gonna have a reading from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. We're actually gonna have a reading from the Old Testament today. We are going to have a passage of scripture from Jeremiah chapter 31, and I'm gonna read it, and then we're gonna kind of think through it together and think through what Easter means. So this is Jeremiah 31, verses 1 through 6. In that day, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. Those who survive the coming destruction will find grace in the wilderness, for I will give rest to the people of Israel. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an unfailing love. With an everlasting love, I have drawn you to myself. I will rebuild you, my precious Israel. You will again be happy. You will dance merrily with your tambourines. Again, you will plant your vineyards on the mountains and eat from your own gardens. The day will come when the watchmen will shout from the hill country, come, let us go to Jerusalem and worship our God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, this is only part, six verses of chapter 31. Um, it's actually, it's poetry that Jeremiah is writing. So he's, he's writing a message from God, which is what is known as prophecy. So he's receiving a message from God that is prophecy, but he's writing it down in poetry form. And what makes this particular poetry special and relevant and applicable to us is the circumstances in which it was written. So if you remember, we spoke two weeks ago about Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones and this vision that God gave him about these dry bones. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament and so was Jeremiah and they were actually contemporaries, which means they lived at the same time. Jeremiah actually wrote these words. <laughs> When Babylon came in and destroyed and took over Israel, so they destroyed the capital city, they burned down the temple, and Jeremiah is a prophet who's left looking at what happened after the aftermath of this war, and then he writes these words. So all he sees is destruction and hopelessness, and then he writes this message from God that says, if you survive this destruction, you will find hope in the wilderness, 
I will rebuild you and you will again be happy. Now, what does this have to do with Easter? <laughs> and honestly, like what even is the point of Easter? I, we say things like, oh, Easter is about Jesus being raised from the dead, obviously. But I feel like that's an overly simplistic statement because yes, Easter is about Jesus being raised from the dead. But what is that saying? Like why can we put this in more practical terms? And the answer to me is definitely yes. So that when you boil it down to the bottom, this is what Easter is about. The completely absurd announcement that there is no death so dead that God cannot find life in it. That's what Easter is about. The announcement that there is no death so dead that God cannot still find life in it. Easter is not a magic act. It's not like Jesus is popping out of God's top hat at the finale of God's magic show. Easter is about the sort of God that we have faith in. The God who will always win, even when faced with the oldest of villains, death. And God has been in this business of finding life and breathing life into dead things and dead creatures for a really, really long time. And we can see that in Jeremiah because these verses, this poetry was written 2,500 years ago. And it still applies to us today. God was in the business 2,500 years ago of breathing life into dead things. And so let's think through this because Jeremiah is looking and he's saying, man, Leaders of the community have been removed. They've been forced to relocate. The nation is shattered. Jeremiah starts preaching what seems to be utter nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, like if we're looking at this objectively, the words that are coming out of his mouth do not match the reality of what's happening. In the middle of this, Jeremiah announces, God will be the God of all the families of Israel. Cool, except what Israel? There isn't an Israel left to even have a God when he writes those words. The temple has been destroyed. The king had his eyes gouged out. Ugh. And then he was dragged off to Babylon for his execution. The temple, the sacrificial fires in the temple were snuffed out. The, that is the place where people would go to connect with God. They would go to atone for their t sins. They would go to show their devotion to God. It's gone. It's completely ruined. They had a war before this with Babylon. So, so many people are dead. The land that they love so much, their home, it's not a land. It's not their land anymore. It doesn't belong to them. They don't have control over it. They don't have the right to say what's going to happen. And in the middle of that, <laughs> Jeremiah is proclaiming this. It seems like, like what an idiot. In the, he's looking at people and honestly, inc including himself in the face of the death of their hopes and dreams and the death of their future, he is proclaiming, we will be God's people. And so, I mean, when we think about this, it's like, what could Jeremiah possibly see in this experience of exile and death that makes him write those words? Is he being fake? Is he just making something up to try to make people feel better? And perhaps today you're saying that kind of in your own heart in this situation, like, how dare people? How offensive that people would shout hallelujah and have these celebrations and have these parties, essentially, in church when 
people are literally dying. Like we can look around, we know that people are ill and dying in our neighborhoods, that people have lost their jobs, people have lost their livelihoods. Our lives as we know them seem to be completely upside down. There are people who have had no physical contact with another human in weeks and weeks. What does that look like? When someone says, it's gonna be the best yet. And yet in verse two in Jeremiah, it says those who survive destruction will find grace in the wilderness. And in verse three, God says, I've loved you with an everlasting love and I have continued my faithfulness to you. So even here in the wilderness, because that's, that seems to be where we are. If this feels like a desert, it feels like maybe a modern day description of this would be, it feels like a marathon, um, where we're maybe on like mile 12 and we know that we have more than halfway to go. Can we find grace even here? And I know that this probably feels really uncomfortable to dwell on right now. Um, we as a society and like as a nation and especially as a church society, we have been so dedicated to positivity. Like it's almost like we have come to believe that the main point of our faith is so that God will take away our negative emotions and we don't have to feel them. And I personally, I think one of the most harmful things that the church has done has encouraged people to forget their grief and suppress their pain and just have faith. And this shows up in so many ways because we talk about joy unspeakable. We talk about peace that passes understanding and those are valid and those are beautiful things. But it, the problem becomes when we have this general understanding about faith that no matter what happens, our faith in Jesus is supposed to make somehow our sorrow and our losses disappear so that we don't have to feel them. We're, we're supposed to somehow not have these emotional reactions. We're supposed to not feel anxiety when our job is on the line. We're supposed to not worry about people that we love. We're supposed to not be able to sleep at night because we have the peace that passes all understanding, right? And we talk about these things, but I know that they're not working. Um, especially now. I know, first of all, because I am a human with regular emotions and it's not working for me. But also I know because I've talked to so many of you and I, I've heard so many, I'm going to actually just tell you, I'm going to share with you some of the statements that I have heard from people in the last few weeks about how they're feeling about everything that's going on. And maybe you can relate to these. I can't sleep at night because I'm worried about losing my job. I'm doing okay right now myself, but I'm really concerned about my parents. I don't know what I would do if they get sick and don't make it through this. Sometimes I feel fine, but other times I just feel completely hopeless and lost. When I'm in my house, I feel claustrophobic, but when I go out for groceries, I'm anxious about every other human that I encounter and what germs they might be carrying. I don't know how to pay my rent. I don't know how to pray right now. I really don't have anything to say to God. I miss my family and I miss seeing people in real life. I feel useless and it seems like my faith is useless right now because it's not keeping me from feeling useless. And on and on. There's so many other statements that could be made. Maybe one of those or multiple of those resonated with you. I know they certainly did with me. And those are honest, right? Those are authentic. Those are coming from a place 
that is real in our hearts. It's not coming from a, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're just going to slap a smile on it. And then we're just going to keep going and have this beautiful faith that takes away our emotions. No, this is, this is honest. And so the question is, what does the resurrection have to do with this? How do the words in Jeremiah that we read apply to this? I think what we need is a resurrection hope that is present and ordinary. We need a resurrection hope that's profound because it's simple. Somehow just a simple reminder of the living God in us that Jesus lives in us and around us despite all the indications otherwise. Not just on special days like Easter, but in the ordinary moments. We need an ordinary resurrection hope. We need a resurrection hope that doesn't look away when faced with our grief and despair and anxiety and hopelessness and worry and sleepless nights, but instead looks us looks at us and sees us fully as we are and does not look away. We need a resurrection faith. We need a God that believes in us when we find it nearly impossible to believe in ourselves. We need resurrection love that doesn't require us to act a certain way or be a certain way before we can belong in a faith community. God says in verse three of this passage, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have continued my faithfulness to you. What if the message of Jesus' resurrection is just that simple? The same message we find in Jeremiah. Keep leaning into courage. Keep trying to trust God because it's love and togetherness and faith that will keep our souls alive as we strive together for life, not what's going to make us sparkly and shiny and fix all of our problems and take away all of our negative emotions. What's going to keep our souls alive is love and togetherness and faith. And if that's the true message of the resurrection, that there is no death so dead that God can't find life in it, then maybe we can sing Hosanna. (laughs) Maybe we can sing hallelujah, even if we don't feel inclined to sing at all, even if we don't feel like there's anything left to sing about. Maybe we can still sing because we know there's another answer. We know that death is not the final word. Despair is not the ultimate winner. Defeat is not inevitable. Perhaps just like Jeremiah, we need to look squarely in the face of the world's ugliness and horror and whisper, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Maybe that's all we can do. (laughs) Maybe we can't shout Christ is risen. Maybe we can't jump up and down and dance that Christ is risen. Maybe all we can do is look at the world and whisper, just as Jeremiah did, Christ is risen, remembering that the God who raised Jesus from the dead loves us with an everlasting love and will always continue to be faithful to us. And now we can actually read the rest of Jeremiah's poem, which makes more sense because we've dug into it a little bit. And we, he's at the end of this poem, he's imagining this future where hope is fully restored 
and life is beautiful and fulfilling again, not as a trite way to just smooth over what is happening, but as a beautiful vision of what could be if we make it through. Because that's the only way out of the wilderness, right? The only way out is through. We're not going to be removed from the situation. We are going to keep our souls alive in the meantime with love and togetherness and faith. So I'm going to pick up in verse seven and just read the rest of this poetry to you. And I invite you to kind of imagine with Jeremiah as he's looking at ruins, he's imagining a beautiful future that God gives the people of Israel where everything is rebuilt. And I'm going to pick up in verse seven. Now this is what the Lord says. Sing for joy. Shout, O you great nation. Shout with praise and joy. Save your people, O Lord the remnant of Israel. For I, God, will bring them from the north and from the distant corners of the earth. I will not forget the blind or the lame, the expectant mothers or women in labor. A great host of people will return. Tears of joy will stream down their faces. And I will lead them home with great care. They will walk beside quiet streams and on smooth paths where they do not stumble. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in the distant coastlands. The Lord will gather his people and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Israel from those too strong for them. They will come home and sing songs of joy in the heights of Jerusalem. They will be radiant because of God's good gifts. The abundant crops of grain, new wine, olive oil, healthy flocks and herds. Their life will be like a watered garden and all of their sorrow will be gone. The young women will dance for joy. The men, old and young, will join in the celebration. I, God, will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. The priests will enjoy abundance and my people will feast on good gifts. I, the Lord, have spoken. That's the resurrection of hope. That is the ordinary, simple, everyday resurrection. When sorrow is turned into joy, not because sorrow is taken away, but because it's transformed into joy. The resurrection hope is that we will have a home again, that we will have peace again. It's possible. Not just possible, it's actually promised. (laughs) And it's not one of those platitudes that we say like, well, you know, it'll all work out. (laughs) It'll all be okay. No, it's a promise. This is a promise from the Lord. The hope in your souls will come back. It will grow and it will flourish even when we aren't able to notice that it's there because it's fighting. There's just imagine there's a thick layer over it right now, perhaps. And it's fighting just like a flower to push back up. And when it blooms, it will be like unexpected. It'll be a bloom that comes out overnight. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, Whoa, that wasn't there yesterday. But of course it was there yesterday. It just wasn't in full bloom. You just didn't notice it. And when you see the flower, I don't know, maybe I'll stop going with that metaphor. (laughs) 
when you see the hope that has exploded where you didn't think it was there before, then you'll know it's beautiful because it's been there all along and God has been there all along. All you have to do is keep making space for hope. And I need to stop talking because I'm not like a good cry talker. (laughs) This is getting really hard. So what we're going to do, we're actually going to have a special song as we close that is just beautiful. I've been listening to it like nonstop this week. So I encourage you when the song starts, if you feel comfortable doing this, um, if you're like sitting on your couch or a chair or something with a back, uh, not a stool, don't lean back too far. (laughs) If you're on a stool, just to lean back and kind of relax and let the tension go (laughs) from your shoulders and close your eyes and just let the words of the song kind of sweep over you. If you feel emotional, just go with that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you don't feel emotional, that's also fine. (laughs) Um, Just let the words and the music for a few minutes be that pause, be that deep breath that can give hope to your soul and keep it alive and remind you that God is with us, Emmanuel, and we are not alone. We are not without hope. That God, that, we, that God is the God of us, of our families, and that God has loved us with an everlasting love. And if you feel comfortable to share how you feel in the comments below, um, we would love to interact with you. Um, and if you want to share, but you don't feel comfortable sharing in the comments for everyone to see, you can definitely email me. It's hannah at diffchurch.com. And we are going to close, of course, our time together, as we always do, with a benediction, which is a blessing and a prayer that we can do as a community. And clearly, I need to wrap it up and get on with the benediction because nobody wants to see this, okay? (laughs) So um, I'm just going to give you all like a virtual hug (laughs) and throw it through the screen now for all of you. Um, And we're going to pray together. And then we're going to listen to some beautiful music. Let's pray. We gather in hope this morning because love remains in us. It has never left us, though perhaps we have been asleep and not noticed its gifts. Our sacred task is to nurture that love, grow it, and call it forth in one another to embody it in small and ordinary ways. In faith, the love we practice together is the way we bear witness to Christ, the living Christ, the hope of the resurrection. If right now we are finding it hard to believe that love remains, let us not grow tired of seeking its presence. May we search the world and search ourselves for any sign of life that we can nurture through weeping and rejoicing, singing and praying, honesty and vulnerability. We unearth the living Christ in one another. In these simplest of ways, we will find the strength and the courage to carry on. And we will worship the God where no death is too dead for God to find life in us. May we go in the assurance of Emmanuel, God with us, and go in peace.
Amen. So we are going to have a music now, and I just want to say that I appreciate all of you. I appreciate your being here. I appreciate your sharing your hearts with me over the past, past few weeks. I appreciate the hope that you've given me, and I hope that you found some value in being together as a faith community this morning as we think through what Easter even is. And we will see you next week, same time, same place, a different church. Bye, friends.
Heaven's eyes.